On this episode, we're going to look at our digital footprint. That's all our online information. We'll look at a few examples, some things in the news as well, some conversations I've had with a couple people on our accounts. We'll take a look and see how much information is out there, how can we control it, what can we affect, what do we consider acceptable risk. It's kind of a basic intro. We'll talk about some ways to start removing some of your information from the internet, what you can do to get rid of it off the internet, to kind of hide yourself or protect yourself from either predators, bill collectors, stalkers, bad people, or just, you know, that random little terrorist country or country like China that wants to send you messages and seeds in the mail so that they can recruit you or get you to do something bad. That'll be our discussion today right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. So our digital footprint is a term to discuss all of the electronic information that we have on ourselves. Most of what you can actually control is online. It just takes a lot of dedication, time, and in many cases money to really get it all scrubbed off there. And if you're sitting on some cash and got a few thousand dollars are coming in money, I can definitely point you in the right direction of organizations, incredible institutions that actually have good lengthy reputations on removing that stuff from the internet. There's also intranet stuff, which is internal servers and systems. Think of just simply like your banking institution. They have information on you digitally. In fact, pretty much all of us, especially in the Western world or more modern worlds where computers are prevalent, have some sort of digital footprint, whether we realize it or not. And even if you're somebody that truly went off the grid, I guarantee you still have a footprint out there if you didn't put several months of your own time or a lot of money into getting it removed. The first part of this is understanding what's actually out there, places to go to look for it. So this is going to be kind of an introduction into this. It's kind of to get your eyes open because I'm going to start going more into some more open source intelligence, things you can do online or different types of ways to search for stuff on platforms you've probably never heard of that can provide you intel or information on any subject or just to help you do better research or maybe even to find yourself to see what you want to hide or get rid of. So I want to start by answering questions that have been raised to me many times. And I had a conversation with David Robertson on DMR publications about this regarding these Chinese seeds. Part of the thing is if you or somebody you know have received seeds from China in the mail, unless it came with an Amazon order, which has happened to some people, apparently a lot of people are just getting a random letter in the mail and it has your name on it or somebody in your house, even if it's spelled incorrectly, that should be a wake-up call about how much of your information is out there that somebody could just send you random seeds from China. But addressing those seeds, just to give you a rundown of the conversation we had, the concern people are having is, you know, what do you do? What are we worried about with this? Some people are concerned about invasive species. I think other people are just worried because they're coming from China. So the number one thing to realize is they're also going to places like Japan and may have expanded beyond that now, but there are plenty of places in Japan that are also receiving these seeds from China. They're all coming out of one province. I believe it's Chengdu province, which is a heavy agricultural area. And the city it's coming out of is their major shipping port where trade goes in and out of. So all that kind of makes sense. So these seeds are showing up. So right now, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the USDA, as well as every state agriculture in all 50 states have warned people about these seeds. So the number one thing is if you get these seeds in from the mail, the best thing you can do is call your state Department of Agriculture's office. They will come and pick them up, and they will also be expecting you to have the original shipping uh, information. So if it comes in, say, an envelope or let's say it comes inside of an Amazon package, keep the package it came in that has all the documentation 
as well as the seeds and whatever they're in. And they're going to have you give them all that stuff. And they'll probably show up wearing gloves and stuff just because they're concerned. As it stands right now, the USDA has tested these seeds and come up with 14 known species of plants or fruit-bearing plants that are very widely known. There are a few articles out there of people that aren't sure what they are. One individual describes something that he considers to be some sort of squash but isn't sure. Another individual on an article I read is either a farmer or gardener, has a nursery, grew one of the plants and had no idea what it is. Hard to say. So the big question is, why would this be happening? Well, whether it's a private institution, a rich person, guy in his basement, or a government, the biggest things people are worried about is invasive species. So just understand that invasive species tend to kill or damage other species of plants or can affect insects that typically kill them. And if it kills those insects, that could also affect other plant life. So that's one concern. Another possibility is, What if they attract other plants or attract certain types of bugs and insects? Maybe those are bad for surrounding things, or or maybe they carry disease. That's other things people have been concerned about. Another possibility is what if it's just some rich guy in a rich company who's trying to develop a better way to kill a weed, kind of like developing a cure for a disease, and in order to sell this product, somehow has done whatever to send weeds around the world to cause invasive species to grow in places they think they'll grow, so that they can sell the cure. That's also another possibility. So the possibilities are endless. Could be nefarious. It's probably more business related. But as it stands right now, they just suggest that you don't plant them. Some of them you'll read have a purple substance of some type or blue substance on the outside, which not being much of a green thumb, I'm told, is not uncommon to help seeds kind of root into the ground. So that's kind of the rundown of that. But for the purposes of the show, just understand that somebody found your information online or somebody you know in order to send you that stuff. It's not hard to do. I did start posting information about this on June 28th on Facebook and Twitter, uh, even some stuff recently. One article had some pretty good information about starting to remove your digital footprint. This is all very, very introductory, basic stuff. It goes way beyond that stuff. But in one of these, I posted a thing about LinkedIn, the website where people put their resumes and talk about their job history. A lot of people use it. And it talks about how China is using it for espionage to recruit people. So I thought the individual would take this down. I'm kind of surprised he didn't. Um, it may still be up there. It's on June 28th, but I'm going to read you through it. Uh, Casey pulls it down. I'm going to tell you his name is. I'm going to tell you his name is pretty unique, which was helpful. So what he did was he commented on this article about LinkedIn spy scandal shine spotlight on China's online espionage, and he says. This is a true story. They're frequently requesting friends requests from me. I have nothing to offer. So I presume Asians or directly Chinese businesses, Chinese nationals, something that definitely tells them tied to this, are sending a friends request on LinkedIn. And he has nothing to offer. So I decided to take about five to ten minutes to see what I could find out about this guy to find out reasons why they might target him. And I timed myself... It took about 87 seconds when I stopped, so I I wrote 90 seconds. But I made two comments. The first comment was specific to my timeline. And all I said was, well, that's not true. 90 seconds on Google, the information you openly provide shows you attract by listing strategic intelligence on your LinkedIn profile. And that's important to note. The prior employment at Molex, BEI, Lockheed, and SkyWest are all intelligence targets for commercial and government secrets. Just an FYI, it took me me longer to type this than it did to find that info. In the time frame, that info, part of the reason I found it so quickly and didn't take five minutes is when I clicked on his Facebook name, something in there about his account 
matched his other social media account. And one of the things he does, and this is very common with amateur radio operators today, especially in America, is they put in their amateur radio digital call sign. And the thing is, it's very easy to search those on the internet and find the database that shows the name, address, and time frame a person got their most recent license. And I saw that he got it like a year ago, and I seen where he was in which state and checked his address out, did a quick search on his address as well as his name and verified that that's in fact where he still lives in an apartment complex. So after putting that, I put an additional piece of information I thought was important. People might be interested in, but I said, look, if I spent five minutes and this is just me on open source. Now, granted, I have definitely more open source knowledge than the average bear, even if I just use something like Google, let alone these other search engines that I use. But even still I said, if I spent five minutes, I could get you pictures, of your residence, your car, and at least five prior phone numbers and emails within one to two hours. I could get surveillance photo of you in the same plus above on all your families and associates you're around on a regular basis. That's actually not too difficult to do. How long do you think they researched you before reaching out a day, a week, a month, two months, probably more. Imagine what they know in 90 seconds. I got your home address and mom L assuming that's how you say the name and your resume because you gave it that away freely on your Facebook, YouTube, and other social media profiles. The point is you gave away personal information, became an easy target very quickly. They want you, they will get you, and you won't know because who they will send will not be Asian, they will be just like you, which is important to know. Typically, they're not gonna send somebody unless you already have a developed relationship that's gonna stand out as somebody that uh, you're not gonna wanna look into. Now, more than likely, this person, if they're really targeting and have made several attempts, probably gonna leave them alone at this point because they'd be tracking enough of his information. They see this post, probably see that he's aware of this stuff now and will probably back off, but there's no guarantee that's what's going to happen. Now there is this general belief that once you put something on the internet, it's there for forever. Even if you take it down, look at that as a general truth for most people. Is it in fact reality? No, it can be completely removed, but usually has to be done by certain governmental agencies and only a few countries that have the total ability to do it. So for the average person, generally speaking, yeah, you put something out there online, it's probably going to be there forever. But I wanted to share some of the easiest ways I find information on people. And a simple example is a guy on YouTube. Now, I'm not going to tell you who this guy is, but he has a certain type of channel where he talks about things. A lot of it has to do with how you think. I enjoy watching it sometimes. I know who the individual is. And he was mentioning moving from a state to the south. Now, I didn't know he was moving to the south. I just knew he started talking about essentially bugging out. It's getting ugly. I need to get away from things. I've sold everything, and I've moved out to the woods or the jungle, something along these lines. So finding out where he lived, I looked up the local national park areas and areas around in a reasonable driving distance, thinking his primary location he might first go to is he's familiar with the area. Then in the process of doing this, the guy I was talking to knows him personally, told me his actual name and a place he had worked. And I was like, okay, that'll be helpful. But the trail kind of ended. Like I found all kinds of historical information in the last 15 years, stuff about his family, phone numbers, emails, addresses he lived, even the utility companies, and nothing else. So I was going to start looking in the south because he told me, yeah, he was going to move to the south. And then there was something about his videos and the background. I'm like, that could be the south. But in my head, I was thinking it reminds me of a place that I had lived. So in this process of just doing regular open source stuff and not even using any of these search engines, one of the websites I went to is one of these websites you can, of course, pay for that always says they'll find information on you. Be careful of those sites. 
But some of the free information it gave without paying was all these prior phone numbers, emails, addresses, and it gave a recent hit. We knew this guy had moved in March, and it mentioned in March he'd bought a property in Hawaii. And I searched the property and found it and determined that that's where he was, which was the place I used to live. So we were able to find all this stuff out, and it only took about 25 minutes. So some of the tips I have for you, if you're going to really look at yourself or other people or maybe you're trying to find something, some of the very common trends, the most common mistakes people make. One is they tend to use the same email forever or the same email for all their different accounts, especially social media. They also tend to use the same names or versions of a name as a login or an account title on social media. So don't always connect it to something like Facebook where they'll have their actual name, but You'll often find if somebody have an Etsy, they'll have a Pinterest account. If they have Pinterest, they'll have an Etsy account. Usually those names match. And they tend to match places like Twitter, definitely Instagram, or perhaps Snapchat, or Kick, or some of these other apps. Even TikTok, which probably won't be around for long in the United States. So they tend to have all these consistencies up there. Not only that, you find that there's older forms of social media that they may not be using anymore and they never got rid of their accounts. Like MySpace, for example or old journaling or blogging websites people hardly use anymore where they tell stories long before the internet advanced in the last just 13 years. So you may find stuff like that. Another thing is when people apply for jobs and they do a credit check or file their taxes is a lot of times why you'll have some of these even open source sites or even if you go to the white pages for your state or US search and they'll give aliases and you'll find out the alias has the middle name, just the middle initial, doesn't have the middle initial, might have one misspelling in the last name or change something in the first name, but essentially you know it's the same person, especially if you know it's you. And a lot of reasons is because of job applications, do credit checks, credit checks that you've done yourself for applications for credit or your tax returns. It's part of the reason why those come up because they can get access to that information. It's all publicly available. Also things like the census. So that's where some of that information becomes easily available. And Thing is, you might think that helps you, it does, and it gives you more variations to search. So if they find a name and say five or six variations of the name, which is very common, and find you in a town or city that, or a series of towns or cities that are in say, northern, you know, whatever state, it actually makes it a lot easier to search all those and find other possibilities and to cross from them with any known social media accounts. Another thing to do is to look up your court for your state, usually your Supreme Court, and also to look up your county court or the counties where you're searching for an individual. Many of them have a free search. Now in this free search, you can find court records, some basic court records, usually not any actual documents, although in most states you can request the documents. These open source searches that don't cost you nothing, that don't require official request, usually are minor offenses, things like traffic tickets, DUIs, minor assault charges. There may be basic information on divorces showing who petitioned or whatever, but sometimes they won't show you much more than that because anything involving children, sex crimes, murder, those type of things you have to request. But you can find this information out and you can look for things like their driving history. Find out information about them. Find out when they got divorced or when this traffic ticket happened, when this DUI happened. You can find that information out pretty freely and also match that up based on the county to the area they live. Now, a lot of places, you commit a crime in a county, that's where you're going to go to court, even if you don't live there, but you may find that they're close by to these areas, you narrow a person down. 
And one of the comments somebody had made on one of those posts about not everybody always tells the truth, but I was like, yeah, it only takes a few minutes to figure out if you're full of it. A lot of people, even if they do hide their profiles, don't hide them very well. And if they didn't hide them very well years ago, as the security system changed and they are giving you more security, they've taken less and less control away on places like Facebook of what, what you can openly hide. I mean, there's things on there now where your options are to show just you, show your friends or friends of friends, but not to completely remove it, which you used to be able to completely remove it. So one of the things I do when I go on there, whether or not anybody says or I see the information about, you know, I'm from small town USA in this state, okay, no problem. Then I go and look at their liked sections, places they liked, especially sports teams, restaurants, because a lot of times the sports teams you get local sports, restaurants, entertainment venues, places they visit regularly. So one, that gives you a target. Because if it's a vacation hotspot or a place they go to a couple of times a year, you can definitely target, narrow down the probability when they'll be somewhere, whether it's a town or a restaurant. A lot of times you'll find all these places coordinate to a certain city or part of a state. And more than likely they live there at that time over those years or live there now, regardless of where it says they live. Another thing you can do is search your own phone number, especially your cellular phone, but also any landline phones, hardwired phones in your house. You will find it's not difficult to find records on that. Now, sometimes you'll see, especially with a cell phone number, you might find five names because you've only had the cell phone for a couple of years, but that number could have been around for 20 years. That doesn't necessarily help you. There are other places you look that shows the timelines of when those phones have been used. So even if they switch companies, they can narrow them down to be in your phone. So one of the things you can do if you're getting a cell phone, especially if you're serious about hiding yourself, is one, if you've been with a company for a while, definitely switch to another phone company. Number two, request a phone number that hasn't been used that frequently or has been not in use for many years. There's plenty out there. Another thing you can do is tell them the area code where you want that phone to be. So you don't have to get a phone number where you live. There's no requirement to do so. So if you live in California, you can tell them, give me a phone number for Ohio if you want to. And that can definitely throw people off. And then you can do simple things like register a business, register an LLC, get a post office box, something that can connect to that account in Ohio to make anybody searching for it think you're actually in Ohio if you want to take those upper steps to protect the fact that you're actually in California. Another thing you can do is go to a place like Google Images or any image search, put in your name, places you've been, your phone number. If you're using different types of slightly different email accounts or login names you think are hiding you on your social media or even old social media search those as well and they'll usually pull up images that might be connected many you'll probably recognize if they're there some you'll just have to go one by one where it says visit the site does it take you to that account does it take you to something that you're tagged in you don't want to be tagged in because that's just another way to find you and that's part of the free information we get out there and see none of this is using what we truly call open source techniques or any of these other places to search. We're just talking Google stuff. So most people make this real easy. It's like LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a great platform, especially for businesses and networking. And you make connections and they tell you these guys are connected to these guys. Like how many of those people do you really know? And what information do you have out there? I mean, sure, it's a more professional thing and you may not be concerned about it and that's fine. That's your decision. Just understand it. Typically it's a professional profile. Most people put a picture up there. They have some basic work history and job skills, maybe education history. They go a little farther into it, they'll put in some of their skills and have people rate them. And that's a lot of information to have out there and makes it a lot easier to find you. And this is part of the reason why LinkedIn's used by countries like China. And they're not the only one. I think the article was written on them because of another article where somebody got found out and talked about it and 
China's been big in the news lately, but everybody uses it, including us, to find people and recruit targets. That's a great place to do it. Another thing to do is to search every address you've ever lived at, even if it was temporarily. If it was there long enough to be considered a residence or to receive mail at, definitely search those addresses and see what's connected to you. Search your name and those addresses. Search just those addresses. Look up property records, especially if you've ever owned a home somewhere or had a rental property that was a house and not an apartment. Apartments can be a little more difficult, but definitely search those and see if your name's connected to them. Most of these places, you can actually write them and request them to remove that stuff. There are ways to do it or you can call them. You know, one of the most common ones, they've upgraded it now and don't make everything as freely available as they used to is Spokio, S-P-O-K-E-O. But there's processes on how to get removed from Spokio, how to get the image from your house on Google removed from the internet. All you got to do is Google those questions. How do I remove my information from Google? How do I get my house photo removed from Google? How do I remove myself from Spokio? Whatever the website is, typically there's a process on there where either the website directly, they just don't make it too available. You can go in there and request that stuff. Or there's ways that you can write them letters to have them request that stuff. And most of the time they'll do it because they have to. You know, one of the things I mentioned on one of the prior security podcasts was about if you're able to do it is parking your vehicle in a garage. And the biggest reason for that is to hide your license plates if you can. It's not difficult and can be done fairly easy to use license plates to search vehicle records or even get people's information. Some states, it doesn't take much to even pretend you're a business or hiring somebody to get their driving record. That's entirely possible. It's also not too difficult to search licenses or, I mean, uh, license plates and then sometimes find out when those plates became active without getting too close, how long have they been there. And then you can narrow down possibly, might tell you the vehicle they're on or at least the town they were purchased in. And then the other thing too, when you buy a car, it doesn't mean that your licensing office, whether it's the DMV or DOT, whatever it's called in your state, did it. Sometimes it's just a titling company. It's a lot easier to go to the titling company, give them information or pay them money, cash under the table as a bribe to get that information compared to going to the DOT. Not to mention they can still find that out in any way to a titling company if they want to. So that's part of the reason I always recommend parking in a garage so your license plate isn't out there. Now, the other thing to do is if you just take the addresses you lived in, variations of your name and phone numbers you've had, and you do all these searches, do it on every member of your household. Not to mention the best of your ability. If you say I had a roommate somewhere, any information you have on them, search them in that time frame too. You may find all kinds of stuff about them. And they'll have known associates, known relatives, it may not be relatives on some of these sites and things that connect back to your name. And you can find out that there's other ways you're connected to other people. Through this process, for some it'll take minutes, for most people in an hour or two, I think your eyes will get open quite a bit on how much information is out there. And this is all stuff you can typically take care of yourself. Not to mention all the other things that are easy to find that we're just not talking about here that I'll, in future episodes and on the website, we'll start talking more open source stuff, how you can find people's articles ever written on them in magazines or books or newspapers, especially smaller local ones or announcements about them that stuff's pretty easy to find now some people when they hear this stuff get upset and think about tracking like oh the man's always tracking you the government's tracking you businesses track you no you allow them to we willingly do it we always want to blame them but it's actually us willingly submitting it to it if you use a plastic card credit card or debit card every place you use that you willingly submit to be in track if you're using a shopper's card like for discounts you're willing to submit to be tracked and to be documented on what you're doing 
if you go to a ATM machine, you're willingly submitting to having your photo taken under surveillance for that withdrawal. If you walk out in public or any place that's got cameras, you're willingly submitting to that. So a lot of times, whether we realize it or not, we choose to get involved with those things. We consider it an acceptable risk or just don't pay attention to it, thinking it's other people's fault where it's not. One of the things you can do online too, before you're starting to do this, is consider what search engine you're using. So things like Google or a search engine, they're the general things we use to search things on the internet. Find out what search engine you have, look them up and see which ones are more secure or at least don't have tracking. Like I never recommend anybody uses Google. In fact, I tell them anything associated with Google, get it off your computer. Get off your computer before you even connect it to the internet if it's brand new. They are full of tracking information on everything you do. That's why you hear all this stuff about, oh, I was looking this up the other day and then I go over to Facebook and find links like how does this work because of Google tracking information. So I definitely recommend you don't use Google. There's plenty of other search engines you can use, but I would, I would get rid of Google in a heartbeat and it's not the only one I'd get rid of, which I know sucks for some people because aside from the Google search engine, they also like Chrome, which on one of my computers, I use Chrome just to watch videos and I do allow certain types of tracking for profile establishment, patterns of life that I want to be there. But that's something that most people don't consider and even need to worry about. Another thing you can do too is just know that if you move, if you're moving, relocating to another address, that will require you to update your um, mail, where your mail is going to get sent. One of the worst things you can do is fill out the forms for the post office to forward mail and to change your address because that notifies everybody you get more junk mail and it makes it easier to track you. The best thing you can do is just write off everything you got, go cold to a new address, and then any place you want to get mail from that you go to each place individually and update it. So, for example, if I move, I don't fill out those forms. And one of the first things I do when I have a new mailing address is I go to each individual financial institution and any place I purchase stuff and update my shipping information or mailing information so they start sending it there. I don't need the post office help and I don't want that information out there. Eventually, when they realize nobody's there, they'll stop dropping that stuff off and send it back to people and a lot of your junk mail will cut down. The other thing too to consider is a post office box. I've talked about this on YouTube before. I'll probably talk about it more in the future, but it's a more secure way. If you're somebody that relocates regularly or looking at moving in the same area, but you have very easy access to a post office, just get a post office box, collect all your mail. Even though it's there long term, one of the things you can do is move a little freely, a little more freely. Stop getting mail at your house is definitely more secure. You can get it at the post office. But if you're moving, I definitely suggest not using the postal system and just updating to businesses and whoever directly yourself and just write off the rest of the mail you don't get. Another thing, too, is to remember it doesn't take much to lie to get information, especially when you're writing people for it. I don't know how easy it would be to do now, but uh, several years ago when I was going to a different uh, institution for schooling, we'll call it, I needed transcripts from several schools I've attended. And, you know, you go to the school, you request the transcripts, and you send it to whatever school. Well, actually, what I tried to do was send it to myself, and I picked a mailing address that I had, one of my mailing addresses. And instead of putting my name on there, well, I put my name on there like some sort of whatever the person is, it would human resources, I don't remember who they're called there at a school, but a counselor or something, and a name of a school that didn't exist, and then my address 
and I had colleges and major universities send me those transcripts. So just realize that there are certain institutions that get so much requests for information every day they can't possibly chase down every address, and it's very easy to tell the lie to get that information. Another thing you can do is if you know a person like this or you just want to hire one, it's still low level, but you can hire a private investigator unless you know one and have them search for you, find out information on you. They have skills and things that they do when it comes to online stuff that they can help you find some information. Just make sure it's somebody that's been doing the job for a while and does a lot of online searches for stuff and they may be able to help you definitely better if you can get somebody for free if you know them. Another thing is I've met many people, most people I meet think they don't have much on the internet or think they know a guy and it's all gone and it's never, never the case. I take minutes to show them how much stuff's out there, how easily it is to find and they always get upset about it. It's because it's not something everybody's an expert on or realizes how much is out there, never done real open source intelligence research looking for targets. So they just think because they spend five minutes and throw a phone number up there that they're good to go. Don't be that person, especially if you want to hide yourself. One last thing to remember is the Freedom of Information Act in this country, in the United States, how easily you can use that to get information on people, especially if they've served in the military, government service, if you have the actual names of them. But it's not only from that. You can use freedom of information to get all kinds of personal information and business information. Just know that it's out there. And I would look that up if you're serious about it, see what they can do, and then give it a go. Try to request it on somebody or yourself just to see how long it takes and the kind of information that shows up. But just be aware that's out there. The point to take away from this is it doesn't matter who you are, how much money you have, how old you are, how much you use the internet. There is stuff out there on you. The question is how important it is to you, how much time are you willing to put in to find it. Do you even have money, extra money, where you don't have to do it yourself? That'd be great. But finding that information, figuring out at least what's up there so that if you can't take it down or don't know how to take it down or don't have the time, at least know what's there and where it is so you can attempt to control future information from getting up there and that you can influence what people have available to see, that you can make changes to social media accounts or get multiple social media accounts, which is recommended, multiple emails, start using different names, getting a new phone number from a different area. Little changes that can help protect yourself from the average everyday person that uses Google that might be that crazy person, that stalker, somebody you're trying to hide from, and then figuring out how much more serious you want to take from there. Does everybody need to try to hide from a spy agency? No. But if you have the time and energy and the money, you can definitely take it that seriously and try to get yourself off the internet as much as possible. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. We've got future episodes coming up, especially giving away a book to somebody. We'll be doing a long episode on Escape and Evasion and a couple other shows. So we look forward to seeing you again right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight.